And here we are for another par train. It's just Strat and I. Serum couldn't make it. What's going on? Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good about this one, actually. It was raining earlier. Now the sun is shining. Welcome to LA, baby. I know we say this all the time, Strat, but I think we agree. This is by far one of our most favorite interviews that we just did. Yeah. This. Uh, so we, we sat down and chatted with Eric Anders Lang. Um, you might know him from Adventures in Golf. You might know him from Vice Commercials. He basically is the guy that gets to do all of the really awesome golf shit that you wish you could do, but you just don't have the time. Thankfully, though, he records most of it on YouTube uh, or his social media platforms, um, and we uh, we dived into some good shit, and we had some good conversations, and uh, this is this was this was a fun one. It was enlightening on a couple of different levels. It really was. I mean, he so he got picked. He attended the Masters for the first time as a media member, and he was one of 29 of 800 that got picked to play Augusta the Monday after the Masters, so we obviously talk a lot about that. Um, he talks about what's better to play, St. Andrews versus Augusta. Might be mm-hmm. surprised by the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next best golf trip you've got to take, Oh, uh, this one, I mean, you know we would go tomorrow Yeah, if we could. Yep. Uh, pro shot Bonanza at the Masters. How much he spent, what he got. Um, I think we rank our best golf items that you want to get. Yeah. Um, when you go to a famous golf course or golf shop, that was interesting. And then which adventures in golf episode should be made into a movie? And uh, spoiler alert, we might be on the next episode. We had a pretty good idea for him, and he liked it. So yeah. So uh, yeah, just sit back, pour yourself a beverage, and uh, enjoy because this is a good one. All right, let's fire this baby up. And we are back for another par train. Guys, this is a good one. Just a few L.A. golf guys talking golf on a rainy day. Eric Anders Lang, potentially the most interesting man in golf. How's it going? Wow, that is <laughs> such a bold introduction. I mean, I do admire the the beer campaign about the most interesting man in the world, but I don't know if I could live up to that. I'm good, though. Otherwise, I'm good. I'm going to just jump right in here with the first question. He's Um, been dying to ask you this. Yeah. You, Eric Anders Lang versus Hans Christian Andersen in a fight to the death for the most Scandinavian name of all time. Who wins? I mean, like, what what kind of fight? Is it just like a linguistic fight or am I getting in there with like toenail clippers and shit? It's going to be murder and it's going to be any tool that you can grab (laughs) within your within a two foot radius right now. All right. Well, right now I've got a one liter glass bottle of water and he's going to get that to the cranium. Um, here's the thing. Hans Christian Anderson was no joke, like six foot eight. And I'm maybe on a good day, five eleven and seven eighths. So, you know, like I'm six feet, but it's a lie, you know? So, so I'm going to need to really be like wide awake for this fight. The problem is it's the morning and everything's a little blurry for me. So, Whoever's okay, so, going to win, it's going to be a long battle. Basically, it, you're saying buy the pay-per-view and we'll find out. Yeah, I'm saying the quote is, uh, who said it? Oliver, uh, he said, if it's you against the world, vote against, vote for the world. I think that was Fred, Dur- <laughs> Fred Durst said that. Fred Durst, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Limp bizkill. Limp hey, buzzkill. All right. Strat, did you pick up on the glass <laughs> water bottle? I mean, he's a health guy. He's a healthy guy. Yeah. Paleo yeah, cookies. Reduce, reduce reuse, recycle. Yeah. Reduce, reuse. <laughs> yeah, it's a low alkaline uh, sure. water. Sure. Thank LA God. Guys. All right, so. Full Los Angeles. Eric, I got to address the monkey in the room, okay? You did two full yeah. podcasts on it. I listened every minute, okay? You got to play Augusta <laughs> National. We've got a million questions around the experience. I'd say to the listeners out there of the par train, if you guys want every shot, Details on every shot, go listen to the Eric Lang show. Okay. We're not going to do that here. We're going to do a little bit more high level takeaways. But first and foremost, Strat and I, we want to know about Pro Shop Heaven. You described the experience as, quote, right. it was like I was on bath salts about to eat people's faces. And I can totally empathize with that feeling <laughs> because that's what it felt like when I was in St. Andrews. So, what did you buy? How much did you drop? And tell us about that experience. That is a very solid question, but it's like, so basically, you know, when you get to, uh, when you get to Augusta national as a media member lottery winner, you're 29 out of 800. So 
the 29 people who get selected, it's kind of like the leftovers. Like you're all sort of like, what am I, what am I doing here? Have I been selected to live on a higher plane? And, but the problem is, is you're not quite in heaven yet. So they give you exactly 60 minutes prior to your round to, you know, just mess around and do whatever you want. And I went into the pro shop. And so the, the deal with the pro shop is it during the week, it's master's gear. And you can't even get in there during the week unless you're invited by a member, like a green jacket. So, but on Monday morning, they start switching it back from master's gear to Augusta National Golf Club gear. So I went in in the morning and they were like still switching it over. And I was kind of like, guys, let's get it moving here. You know, come on, like full, full Rodney Dangerfield, like, <laughs> Hey, let's get, let's get the good shit in here. You know? And, um, I was like, what are we going to have? Bucket hats, rain hats, rain pants. I'll buy everything, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> like a, a bowl of soup. I don't care. And they were like, uh, they were like, you know, we're working on it and like, fully just like glaring at me. Um, so then I went back after the round and my, the experience, have you guys been? No. Never. Okay. Next so when year. you go into just even the, the, the merch tent at Augusta at the masters, you know, the common equation is I'm going to spend X. And then as soon as you walk in, you're like, I'm going to spend 1.5 X. <laughs> and then as soon as you walk out, you, re you realize that you have actually spent, 2.3 to 3x yeah that um, makes sense and and usually when you go in x is a high number x is hundreds of dollars maybe even thousands if you're living like that which i'm not so when i went to the master's merch tent i spent 300 i said i was gonna spend 300 i spent 600 two years ago um this year the augusta national pro shop i was like i'm gonna spend a thousand and i mean i had to get you know like 9,000 hats for everyone I've ever met on planet earth. Um, <laughs> so I left spending 1500. So, um, yeah, I got a little bit silly in there, but you know, it's one of those things where you're like, you're in the pro shop and the thought that keeps coming to my head is like, I'm going to die. I should spend the money. I'm going to die. I should spend Wait, the money. Exactly. <laughs> I, I fully back that, that philosophy, especially because like you said, if it's, if it's the Augusta national gear versus the master's oh, stuff, yeah. it's even or more hallowed territory. I honestly have asked people, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if this is a problem, but I don't know what comes over me when I walk walk into a famous golf shop. Like, for example, I played Kings Barnes in Scotland, which is super expensive. And I'm sitting in the pro shop next to my playing partner. And there's this like super light white and red strats in the jacket jacket. That's like 350 pounds and I'm like, oh, ooh, I don't, I don't know. Like I mean, this jacket is incredible, but I don't think I can spend that. And the guy, my playing partner, looks at me. He goes, "You only live once." And I'm like, "All right, I'm buying it." I don't know what comes over. Right. Me. So actually, I wanted to ask the I group before it, we move I think on. You have a problem. How would you guys rank like the must-have golf gear if you're going to a famous course or event like, by by item? Like my ranking is hat number one, ball marker number two, quarter zip number three. Quarters. Quarter zip. Oh, cool, quarter cool. zip. Yeah, a little zip up. Uh, I'm going ball marker. Uh, then I'm going hat, and then I'm uh, probably gonna try to find like a a, a nice poncho. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> like, poncho. I think if I'm at Augusta <laughs> National, I'm getting a fuck ton of ball markers, and I'm gonna get probably thirty hats. A big hat guy, and then after that, you know, I'd probably black out and see if they had like a butt plug. I'm not sure. <laughs> Solid. Nothing like a like a hand engraved butt plug from a nice Scottish yeah, golf course. Yeah, like classy, <laughs> a classy one, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so for me, I'm first off, I'm looking at belts. Oh, I love oh. a good belt. Yeah, oh. I'm going. I'm going Peter Millar, hundred dollar belt, and if they're solid, I may leave with two. <laughs> um, then, then I'm looking at weather specific items, right? Like if it's chilly, I'm going to get a knit, like, you know, winter hat, um, maybe with a pom pom. I don't know, you know? Um, and then I've, I've learned to stay away from golf shirts because yeah. mm. I, I back know that. why I just, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Just, I don't know. They, they, they get sweaty, they get ruined and they're hard to accessorize. You got to build an outfit around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I fully um, sympathize with that. I was then, I saw I saw the shirts on like Instagram posts, and I thought to myself, I don't want any of those fucking shirts, even mm-hmm. if they've got the logo on. Mm-hmm. No. Um, also, but but what I will go with is typically like a sweater. I love a sweater. Sweaters are nice, you know, because it's like, because that's the thing you like you wear on the first tee, and you're like, yes. I played whatever. I'll tell you the story. Would love to tell you this story. Obviously, that's why I'm wearing the shirt. Basically, <laughs> basically, a sweater from a golf course is like, ask me about fill in the blank. <laughs> now watch, now watch me hit this drive. Now I actually do back the grandstand. I do back the sweater because I found that I haven't been able to find a good golf jacket that's actually heavy enough. That still doesn't restrict yeah. your swing. So I have all of these light jackets because, you know, L.A. guy. So the sweater underneath yeah. that jacket for those really cool mornings is perfect. Exactly. Love a good sweater. Um, and then I'm going to do, you know, bucket and or dad hat. Ball marks for me, I don't really care. I use a T on the green. So I don't – the ball marks get lost and then I have anxiety about it. I have a couple ball marks that I've saved over the years, but it's kind of just like a revolving musical chairs kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. That said, I did get exactly 47 ball marks from Augusta national golf club. Okay. <laughs> so get, that's like, that's like six months of ball markers right there. <laughs> so you, as you mentioned, you had a very unique consumption of Augusta and the masters this year. You were given media access. Um, you know, you're out there, covering the tournament you're having to be very cognizant of everything that's happening as far as the players and and the the full week goes and then of course you strike gold when you get selected for uh you know the lottery to play on monday um you you mentioned that you know augusta national if it was a public course and pebble beach was private the prestige would be flip-flopped so given your like the way that you drank in this course this you know while you were there as media and then as someone that got to play it how exactly dive into that statement a little bit more if you don't mind sure well first off i didn't actually say that i heard someone else say it and i agree with it i think but you know the one big thing about me is i'm a huge contradictory hypocrite so if I say something, I very likely actually feel the opposite way. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic. Like, like I do believe in the, you know, I really try to always maintain the ability to change my mind or have my mind changed in a discussion. Um, but yeah, I was, I was with uh, a gentleman who lives up in Monterey and he was saying how, you know, Pebble, um, if you put a wall around it would be better than Augusta. And, you know, I think he has a point, but I don't know if I agree a hundred percent. I mean, the layout of Augusta getting to experience that with my feet and my, and my body was, was maybe actually, it's a really good question was, was maybe the most interesting experience overall was walking down the center stripe since I hit every fairway right in the middle. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) but like, you know, being able to actually traverse the golf course. I mean, it's just a hike. It's a trail, you know, and um, that was one of the more unexpected parts of it. Um, You know, I think I lost your question though. What, what, what what was it exactly? Just, you know, like what, what is the mystique of the place? You know, like we, we see it as fans and like everyone can, can probably describe their favorite holes more accurately on that course than any other. So viewing it as as a member of the media and having to be, you know, attuned to the tournament itself and then getting that opportunity to play it as as a fan, what were some of the insights that you gathered that, you know, kind of either, uh, you know, propped up your ideas that existed before or something that changed your mind completely uh, on a conception you had previously? Right, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so basically I was there for a week almost a full week with my media pass. And that enabled me to like, you know, basically go to a lot of places. Um, you know, obviously the course to like some of the, I could go in the clubhouse, I could go into the media center. And I think why that's relevant is because the clubhouse and the media center are in a lot of cases around the world. Those are places for people to hang out. They're, they're, they're quiet. 
And they also on some level have a, a finger pointing to the history of the club, which I think is, it's very hard for me to get, um, erect, if you will, for a course that's like eight <laughs> years old or 25 years old. I mean, I love the history of golf. I love old golf courses that are still functioning in a way that like supports the, you know, reverence that we all have, even as young guys in Hollywood, you know, um, but in Augusta, they've taken the, uh, you know, they've taken that element of history and really like highlighted every aspect of it in a way that, you know, when you watch it on TV, you even get it just in the music and just in the footage of the, of the shots, like of, of the, of the holes and of the trees, like it all feels very historical. And so in all of these places, they're, they're very close to museums. And I think that's the Augusta experience in a lot of ways. It's like, Oh wow. This is like, this is like a, a graveyard of mm. golf history. And you can walk through it and look at every headstone and you can see a date and you can see a name and you can relive these stories that depending on how old you are, you may have seen on TV or firsthand or read about. And so that, takes up a large part of the actual anticipation of playing Augusta. Cause you're thinking about all that. But once you walk on the first tee, like it's golf, like yeah. it's golf, you're Tony Finau, you're going to hit a bomb down the left side and you're going to try to pull it back in, you know? Yeah. And then there's the two minutes between the shots where you are reminded, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But then you get back to the ball and it's like pitching wedge, like just up, just, you know, wind coming off the left, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to literally be in like an Oasis greatest hits album of just like emo golf, <laughs> like crying. <laughs> that didn't happen. Like, <laughs> like you it together. Was fully like, it was just fully like a golf round that in some ways, I hope this doesn't take away from it for anybody, but it, it, it the shots could have been any golf course really. Like, like I really, was surprised at that element. Like when you're standing over the ball, like it's just the ball and the turf and it's not Augusta anymore. It's not the masters. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of had this like bipolar experience. I did. It's, I love that idea. The, the, like, it's like the world's most interactive museum that you could ever go to. That's awesome. I've never, I've never heard a golf course, especially a historic one described that way. I think that's, a, that's, that's cool. In some ways it, it, it makes me a little bit, um, like I wish there was a way for every person to experience that aspect of the photographs and the captions and the paintings and the magazine covers and like the ancient hole by hole descriptions and drawings. Like I wish there was a way for everyone to experience that and, and maybe they'll come up with a way to do that. But you know, that for me was really the highlight of the, of the media experience was being able to really wash myself in all of that history. Yeah, Eric, I was just going to say what when I I remember you talking about this on your podcast and I remember thinking that's funny you said like the magic of playing Augusta was actually more about the letter and being chosen than actually playing the course and that reminded me I got super lucky one time to play Riviera here. And of course, people are going to ask you like what did you shoot and what did you hit on number 10? But I actually say to people similar thing where to me the most memorable part of playing a place like Riviera was the aura and like the people. Cause I remember sitting in the bar and people were like talking about their planes and I was like, where the hell am I right now? This is crazy. And I'm sure there was a part <laughs> like of that. Airplane? That's yeah. That was like, it, I don't know. They just hit home for me. I'm, it sounds like you had a similar experience at Augusta. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it's, it, it's hard to like, there's, there's so many different ways to talk about golf, you know, and, and the way that we're taught on TV and on social media is to talk about score is to talk about shots. And so, you know, yesterday I was back at Wilshire, my home course in LA. And, you know, I ran into a bunch of people I hadn't seen cause I was, I've been gone for like a month and a half and everybody was like, so how was Augusta? What did you shoot? Da, da, da. And like, you know, I mean, I've just got to meet them where they're at. Like they want to hear, the holes that I birdied and bogeyed, I mean, birdie, <laughs> one birdie, you know, like, and, and that's just like, that's just the way we're conditioned to talk about golf. And I think for me, that's, that's been the most enjoyable part of like, you know, um, uh, 
I guess my podcast and, 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 you know, like learning how to use social media in the first place, it's like, Oh, well, this is interesting to me. Like, and, and, but I think hopefully it encourages more discussions. Like you're talking about, you had at Riviera because, you know, I mean, there's more to golf than just the score. There's, there's so much poetry involved in, in the experience of that unknown. So I couldn't tell if this was a joke or if you were being serious, but did Augusta actually make you switch from a yellow ball? (laughs) (laughs) So, so all I packed was yellow and red golf balls. Cause like, I don't know. That's what I ordered, you know? Um, like, 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 I I like McDonald's guy. idiot um <laughs> the colored ball has one technical advantage which is i am one of the most impatient people like i've ever met um and the yellow and red ball allows me to see which ball is mine much faster <laughs> you know what i mean sure. um i i hate like like the worst thing is when you think you outdrove somebody and you, both your balls are white and you realize that actually they outdrove you and here you've been walking with your chest out for the last hundred feet and now you've got to find a place to hide the body because you murdered your buddy. <laughs> but you get a free white ball. Um, <laughs> Bounce it out. So, so I walked on the first tee with my yellow ball, and then I walked, and then there was a member there, like welcoming us and and wishing us well, and and being really sweet. And I pulled out my yellow ball, and I was like, "Oh my god, I may <laughs> not be allowed to play a yellow ball." Like, like. And I immediately just felt like I had like a nuclear glow around me and the ball itself. <laughs> and, um, you know, everyone was pretty happy and kind of like candid or whatever. But I walked up to the member and I said, am I allowed to play a yellow ball? And he looked at me and shook his head. <laughs> I was wow. like, oh my God, I don't have any more balls. <laughs> and, um, and then. And then he cracked a smile and was like, now nah, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> guys break fucking balls. It's real comfortable life when you got one of those green jackets in your closet, man. Yeah, because it's like, hey, man, I just dropped 1500 in the pro shop. Would have been nice if you told me I needed some white balls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I did get three dozen Masters Augusta National Golf Club balls. And when I was in the airport, the, uh, the TSA was like, he pulled them out and he was like, these look like nice balls. <laughs> You fucking shut your mouth when you're talking to me and drop those balls. <laughs> Get your blue gloved hands off my ball. <laughs> so we had a, a friend who's actually played Augusta before. He's He's been on the pod and he talked us through it. Um, and one of the, the standouts from his experience was he had uh, the famous caddy, Carl Jackson. His probably... Actually, advice that I still hold to this day was Carl told him to treat the ball as his bitch and to compress it when he was uh, he saw his short came <laughs> shit, and his famous line was compress that bitch. So that's something I always try to uh, to to keep in my mind when when I'm around the green. And you had some funny stories about your caddy Brian, and I'm I'm just wondering, you know, it, it seems like there's certainly probably a, a a more unique brotherhood with the caddies at Augusta. Do you think that that's because of kind of an understanding of the history that you mentioned? Do you think that it's just because of the exclusivity? Do you think it's all of the above? Your thoughts? Okay, well, on some level, the Augusta National Caddy becomes your guru for the day. They, they are your they are your only like like clearly defined tether into either reality or fantasy, you know, that they can take you either way. And, you know, caddies in general are such a weird experience because at a lot of courses, it's a make or break, you know, like the caddy can literally turn it into a novel or they can turn it into a horror film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, totally. and, and I think on, on some level I've tried to learn over the years, like, I'm not going to let that happen. Like in this situation, I'm going to, uh, you know, try to just include them in whatever experience I want to have, you know, and Brian, my caddy at Augusta was, um, maybe a few years earlier, if I had met him, he, he could have maybe ruined my day, but <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna let this happen. Like, like, like he, he was, he was, <clears throat> you know, he's one of those guys just like hard to like, um, you know, really crack open, you know, like, um, and, and it took a while. Um, but you know, 
when we did finally get on the same speed, like his excitement over my excitement and over like the photograph taking of like incessantly the, 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 the talking about the history and the, you know, all these other great things like, like, you know, you kind of forge a friendship that will never go away, at least, you know, for the guest on that day. Um, but yeah, Brian's, I think the thing that Brian said to me that I really, that really stuck out to me about golf was I had a crazy putt that like, I could not believe broke a cup left. Like I was sure it broke two cups, right. And, um, it was at the top of the fifth green. We, I was in the back of the green pin high and like had like a cross country, like maybe 25 footer. And he was like, I was like, great read. We drained it. And he was like, oh, you don't read these putts. You remember them. And, like, I know that that's common knowledge. Like, obviously, there's practice rounds and people are learning about the putts. But I think it was the way he said it and just the, just the, just the, it, almost like not taking credit for it, right? Like, there, there's no mystery here. It's all about, yeah. and in a way, like, you don't read the putt. You remember, it kind of goes back to the whole history of Augusta National, like the 80 years, like, it's like, you remember the things about this golf course. The stories are remembered just in the way that the putts are, you know, like, so Brian was really wonderful at delivering those moments to me as a guest and, you know, um, uh, you know, just being my guide through the day, you know, one of the caddies was actually a, a friend of a bunch of friends of mine, which was really random. Small world, six degrees of separation. Kevin Bacon's in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think he, I think he's a member. <laughs> Yeah, it was Kevin Bacon. Is that weird? <laughs> I fucking knew it. Why didn't you just say it to start with? <laughs> so, Eric, we actually talked. I think we debated this on Instagram, so, and I thought it was really interesting, so I wanted to ask you here. Augusta National is super exclusive, obviously. St. Andrews is a public park, technically. You've played both. The commonality, I think, between both of these places is the people there are probably having one of the best days of their golfing life. So there's that natural energy, but I wanted to hear the difference in the energy of the exclusivity at Augusta with a place um, like St. Andrews. Wow. That's a great question. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, St. Andrews feels a bit more like you're playing in a nicer version of like a picnic in a huge park where everyone's like hanging out and like, grilling and talking and watching and looking and it's a much more communal atmosphere where everyone's equal um the caddies themselves uh behave in a more uh in a less reverential way and and it could be the scottish accent you know but but you know they know that you're a tourist as you're american and and they and they have stories to tell you that they that they feel okay with sharing um you know, the, the, um, the structures around St. Andrews are very inclusive and it's very like a, the entire place is like a nest, um, you know, and, uh, St. Andrews is also very like, you know, you can see great distances and over those distances, you see many other people experiencing perhaps what you're experiencing, which is I'm at the home of golf, like, and everyone's experiencing like, emotion emotional things going up and down that are i i found more emotional than playing augusta um my experience at st andrews and that could just be the time of my life but um you know and augusta and st andrews has this wonderful you know when you come up 18 it's very emotional because you're like returning home and you've actually had this journey um augusta is much more like uh like a medieval ritual that you've been invited to watch a sacrifice. Um, <laughs> Augusta is much more secret. It's much more, um, you know, there's a uniform, there's a code. The caddies uh, are not going to really just chime in and tell you a story about that time they visited Tallahassee, where you're from or whatever. Um, the lines of the golf course are much more mysterious. There's, there's many more blind shots the trees tower over you and make you feel really small at Augusta. Whereas St. Andrews, you're the tallest thing out there aside from like maybe a grandstand for the open or like a massive gorse bush. That's so far away that it's actually quite small. Whereas 
Augusta, you're standing next to a tree that's 220 feet tall and, and you feel like a jerk, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you, you, you just feel like a microscopic speck on the golfing universe. Whereas St. Andrews, you actually feel like you're about to win the open. Um, you know, the, the finishing hole at St. Andrews is, is quite easy. The finishing hole at Augusta is like rather difficult. I mean, it's a blind tee shot. And then on some cases, a blind second shot up a massive hill. And you just feel like you, you don't feel like you don't belong. Cause I did feel, they told me I was a member for a day and I believe that, but you just feel small. And it's not like a bad thing necessarily. I think in a lot of spiritual practices, the idea is to feel small. So they're very polarized. Obviously for me, the weather had a huge part at Augusta. It was, it was very soggy and, and saturated and, and quiet at St. Andrews. It was like, I was inside of a jet engine that was blowing like, uh, you know, like, um, <laughs> some type of toxic liquid in my face. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they couldn't have been more different and I would be very hard pressed to choose, but I have to say, even though you didn't ask, I would probably be 51 times out of a hundred at St. Andrews. Wow. Oh, I like that. Okay. My Shots fired. On earth. Shots fired. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue with dogs on the course with bicycles on the course. Like, it's just older. Like, and, and if you, you could even just be like respect, both are equal. I'll take the older. Mm -hmm. So kind of piggybacking off of what you were talking about with the, uh, the history and the passion. I think one of the things, I mean, it, you obviously, you do a lot of shit. Okay. You get to do a lot of really cool golf stuff. You've, uh, you've created the adventures in golf series, you know, like you're, you've keyed in on something I think that often gets overlooked with the game of golf in that, you know, it's often seen as this stuffy sport, rich old white guys, which I mean, shout out to the rich old white guys because they, they keep the game alive. But, um, you know, I think Love that, you guys. Let me know when you want to play. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Reginald, you let me know, brother. I'm right here waiting. Um, but I think I'll, something, I'll that's, <laughs> something that I've really enjoyed about the series is, you know, all of these different locations, all of these different experiences, it's it's consumption of golf and the game and the passion in unique and different ways. And it's put a uh, an image onto a, a way to enjoy the game that isn't being a country club member. And I wonder if that was something that you wanted to try to identify and you knew going into this experience or if that's something that you kind of found along the way through all of these different adventures and and uh, you know stories that you've uncovered man that's a, that's a really good question and you know Thank i you. i think what's been fun what, great question so should we end the podcast <laughs> <laughs> part two coming up um, you know it's it's a really interesting way to look at it. I mean, frequently, it, I've learned something interesting about myself, and maybe this is a way to metaphoricalize your answer, but a lot of times I'll be talking to someone, and, and we'll be kind of riffing and making jokes, and then I'll just say something, and then they'll be like, oh, that's funny. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then they'll be like, no, what you said, that that's like, it's like a, it's like, it's like that has a double meaning and I'm like, how? And then they're like, Oh, they explain it. And then I'm like, Oh wow. That's like really funny. And like, I can't actually take credit for it because I said it before I understood what I was saying. And a lot of times that can get me into trouble. <laughs> but, brag. You know, there, there, <laughs> there are times where it, I, I'm just, and so in the sense of the, of the golf show kind of speaking to this, you know, um, new generation, it wasn't really planned at all. Like it was just like, um, it just sort of happened. Like it was just, these are the things that I was interested in. And it wasn't like, I'm going to not, I'm going to like try to find the, you know, all these, I'm going to, I'm going to rally the troops of the, of the munis. And we're going to like, we're going to play golf in the streets with our shirts off and we're going to, you know, we're going to just like burn the flag of the old guard. It, mm -hmm. it was never like that. Like, it was just like, I, this is how I think, you know, my favorite 
moment of talking to anyone really was Chris Berman. I got to talk to him on the driving range once. And I was like, it, it was so cool. And I was like, dude, I don't know how to host a golf show. And that's my new job. And he was like, look, if you think it's interesting, other people will, I guarantee it. Just really make sure that you know that it's interesting. And it's been such a shock to me that people watch adventures in golf or that people care about it. And when people, and and now I'm starting to realize it, I'm like, Oh, that there is a theme among these things that I'm interested in. And I didn't even realize it. Um, So that I I think, does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I I think it does. I, I think, you know, I like what you said, you know, you didn't start out to try to like, you know, blow up the old guard. I think that there's, one thing I've enjoyed about this series so much is there are so many different ways to enjoy the game. Like I love sometimes playing the super stuffy, you know, old uh, country club type courses because those are fun. There's history in that, like that, that life is foreign to me. So it's fun to pretend every now and then if I had the opportunity, but I also love playing a muni course. I would love, I love to play when I travel. I think What's what's so interesting to me is that there are all of these different venues and ways to enjoy and play and love the game. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize. And uh, I think that it's something that your series does. It, it sheds light on that. And I would hope that the more people watch it, the more people you know grow to, to enjoy this game because it is so appealing for so many different reasons to a large swath of people. So yeah, I think we're on the same page is what I'm saying. Yeah, the, the game has a lot of little things that everyone can enjoy. And I think, you know, we get, it, not even just golf, but we get so caught up in life about, about highlighting our differences, you know. I mean, and the whole, like, uh, contradiction of my life is really funny because, like, I never was a member of a country club. My family didn't play golf. I hated golf. Then I finally tried it and fell in love with it. And then I was at the driving range early on, and I was like, will I ever play on a golf course? Like I literally thought golf for me was just going to be on a driving range. Um, and then I started to play these public courses and I was like, what's up with the private courses? Like I, I'm not into that. I hate that idea. And now here I am paying dues at a private country club that I actually really love. And I've found the people there to be really special. And for me, what I try to do with that is like now knowing a bit about what I guess my quote message is, you know, but what I'm, what I'm, what people want me to talk about to some extent, like I try to bring people into that experience as much as possible. And, and I think that if you really want to zoom out and look at coincidences, like, and I think I talked about a little bit in the podcast about Augusta, but I really hope that on some uh, level, like I was able to bring everybody with me to Augusta because going for myself and just going to play and, and being that selfish guy, that's like, I got to play Augusta, you know, like that's kind of sad. And in some ways that's a lot of how people think golf is because it kind of is, (laughs) you know, it's rich people who want to get richer. Um, But that's not everybody. That's in fact, that's not probably even the majority. So it's been really cool to like try to breathe in this like element of community, even into the most private places. And I don't know. I think that that for me, if the if the finish line is tomorrow, like I will feel very happy about even the small part I've played in that. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Like I said, you know, I but before you and I met, I watched the series and and loved it, and I think that it uh, it's good shit, and you should keep doing it. And if you don't, I'll fucking cut you. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Piggy, piggybacking off of all of that after we've uh, just built you up uh, sufficiently. Um, if you had to extend one of the adventures in golf episodes and make it into a movie, which one is it going to be? Without a doubt, Askernish. I don't even need to think about it. Yes, um, that's what I was going to say. Boom, baby. Yeah, I mean, it, so if you haven't seen it, this episode takes place on an island in Scotland. It was lost to the world for some 80 years it was built by old Tom Morris and rediscovered by a random greenskeeper. And uh, the owners of Abandoned Dunes and Tom Doak went out and sort of assisted in the recovery of this wonderful old Lynx course that some literally call it the truest Lynx experience on planet Earth. 
because it has relatively been untouched. And the experience of that was the true definition of adventure. You know, I just looked at the definition of adventure the other day, and it means to happen by chance. And Esternish, without a doubt, happened by chance. Sunday night, we're having dinner at 10 p.m. We booked a flight when I found out about Esternish. Monday morning, we were on the plane going to visit this golf mecca, or rather, golf Atlantis, you know, um, you know, I would want a whole by whole description. I would want so many more interviews about this weird town and weird place. It could easily be, you know, a, a, a 30 to 40. And if you really wanted to draw it out, it could be much longer. Totally agree with that, by the way. That's seriously one of my, might be my favorite episode of the series. What do you think grows the game more? Okay, we're talking about what grows the game and looking at it from a different angle. This is going to happen on the tour for the first time in a couple weeks. Walk-up music. It was kind of our idea about a month ago. You're welcome, PJ Tour. Uh, Walk-up music at tour events or golf boards at every Muni? Interesting question. I mean, I love the walk-up music idea, and I think that the PJ Tour owes you about $17 million, so just send them an invoice. (laughs) Done. Um done um i do think golf boards have a large part to play in the experience of golf um you know i I don't know what growing the game actually means um you know i know what companies want to do which is make more money i don't know if i care about that um i don't know watching golf on television is that growing the game or is that just giving bigger purses and making cdw have to pay more for ad time on a Sunday. Um, If that's growing the game, I don't give a shit about it. Uh, I think growing the game is more about getting people to really enjoy the experience of golf, whether for the thousandth time or for the first time. And so I would say golf boards would probably have more of a part to play in the true experience of the game, right? Like golf is such a puzzle um, and we get caught up in like, some type of board meeting and it's not a board meeting those are companies um golf is a golf is an experience that's in your hands right and and it can be painful or it can be pleasurable um but it has no dollar value um and that's the sad part is that we always quote declining numbers and i don't really care about declining numbers um i think declining numbers are good for golf they need to get their heads on straight and start putting out a good driver every few years or whatever, like the, the the consumer is always right. So let's start telling them what we want. Fuck yeah, I love that. Cause fuck that shit. It gets me all. It gets me pissed <laughs> off when I hear that, and I'm like, God damn it! Like I'm playing more golf personally than I ever have. So I don't know what you're talking about. But secondly, it's like the the game <laughs> exactly. feels like it's never been in a better spot. I mean, we got fucking big cat back prowling the grounds. Like it just it feels. <laughs> fun and and fresh to me and so i hate reading those kinds of stories and then have to like justify myself to like people that don't like the game or anything so i i love that answer i fucking back it yeah i mean i go to driving ranges i go to golf they're crowded man yeah and and there are fresh fresh balls on many ranges you know and like so so it's doing fine like i don't know man like yeah it's a weird thing i have a tough time with it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean that said, I do need the golf industry to do well in order to do my job and not have <laughs> to like go work at Mickey D's, you know. But like, uh, you know, I I think that like no no disrespect to Mickey D's, I'll eat there when I'm in a foreign country all the time. I love obviously, that place. obviously. Anyway, I mean, you play yellow obviously. and red balls. There's so, nothing like a you know, it's nothing like a Big Mac in Japan. I'm telling you, going to going to Mickey D's in other countries is like a top choice for any true traveler. Anyway, quick, quick question. Is the McFlurry machine broken in all of the other countries' McDonald's as well? <laughs> I'm not like a big McFlurry guy, but for sure, like the Big Macs taste identical, except yeah. they're served in like a different way, and it's all in that language. So it's super interesting. Okay, all right, we'll follow up on that one then. So yeah. I, I, am as, <clears throat> I am as excited as Strack just was about your documentary be the ball. So I got to ask you a question about this. I've been excited to ask you for those that haven't heard about it. It's a documentary about golf and spirituality. Can meditation help you be better? Um, Zen golf personally is one of my favorite books. Um, And these are two things that 
are really close to my heart. So without spoiling the movie, well, first of all, when is it coming out? I know it's next. It's this year, right? Do you have a date? Man, look, dude, making a movie is like way harder than getting good at golf. I'll tell you that. It is. <laughs> it is so hard. I made this movie like you know, like on a post-it note, like a few years ago, and I've just been working on it. We've been shooting. Um, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not one of these, like we're funded by all these great people or companies. Like we, we, we raised some money. Like I did it online. I did it like through a Kickstarter. I like sold my body multiple times. Um, sure. you know, yeah. so yeah. the hard part now is like, it, it, you can buy my body if you want. I'm happy to sell it. Just, just hit me up in the DMS. Um, sure. and, uh, sure. <laughs> um, but the, the, the hard part is finding the time, you know what I mean? Like really carving out the time. Um, you know, we went through a few different editors and like to some extent, like it's a big story about how meditation can actually help uh, competitive golfers and just regular amateur golfers. We staged like a 50 person experiment where we taught meditation for three months uh, to all these, all these golfers and watched their stats become affected by the meditation and the results were like straight up astounding. Like I was totally blown away. Um, you know, and so, but on top of that, it's a story about my brother and I kind of becoming friends for the first time over golf in the middle of our lives. Um, and that's something that I'm like eternally grateful for. And so there's a discussion within the film about, you know, what is golf? Like what actually is the game? It's different for every person. So, when is it going to be done? I mean, I'm hoping the end of this year, but you know, it's just one of these things where I'm not going to release the movie if it's not as good as I think it can possibly be. And so if that takes an extra six months to really clear my schedule out to do it right, then so be it. I mean, I've talked with my producers and investors about it and we all agree that so many great things are happening in golf in general right now that, in some sense, the longer we wait, the better. I mean, you know, the story is only the, the seed of the film is only going to land in like more fertile, uh, you know, soil, I think. So hopefully the end of this year, but it could be this time next year. I mean, speaking of being erect, I don't know if I've ever heard of a movie that was made more for me than, than this. So well done. Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I, I can't wait to share. I mean, Adventures in Golf is so fun for me because I believe in it. And I really do enjoy it. But the movie is something that, like, I deeply believe that the world needs. And I think that when you're able to see the movie, you, I think, you know, we, I, I went to an outing, like, uh, a few months ago. And I showed a rough cut to about 20 people. And we got to the outing on Thursday, played golf Friday, Saturday. And we watched the film Saturday night. Everyone was very mad because we should have watched this on Thursday night. And we should have been able to experience a new way to play golf essentially and, and like work through all these things. So I'm hoping that, you know, I've been really vocal about like, Hey, let's all play golf together. You know, if you want to play golf, just let me know if I'm in your town, we'll get together a random group of people and just hit it. And I think that the film can have that effect on any group. And I think that there becomes like a discussion around this stuff that, that hopefully will go beyond just like, Oh yeah, it's a great movie, whatever. Hopefully it'll go into like, like you said, Zen golf is offers a new narrative. For sure. Yeah. that sounds awesome. I'm, I can't wait for it. When you first told me about it, I remember after, I believe it was midway through the round we were playing and I continued to tell myself, you're a good putter. You're a good putter. And I still, do the same thing today, usually when I'm putting like shit. So I can't wait to get all of the instructions so that I can hopefully uh, round out the rest of my game a little bit more. But I'm stoked for it. Well, and you know, you saw, you, you read Zen Golf. So I mean, if, if you're aching to see the film and you're listening to this, like check out Zen Golf, you know what I mean? Like Dr. Parent's such a good guy and, and, a and you'll, there are a lot of similarities between the two, um, you know, um, so hopefully that can tide you over. Sure. Well, look, I, uh, we know you're a busy man. Uh, we don't want to keep you any longer. I just want to leave you with one final question, request, uh, what have you. A possible next option for Adventures in Golf, 
we are the par train. Okay. We're big train guys. Love mm-hmm. a good train. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, perhaps we all find ourselves on a train in Europe. We pull into a station and we play the first course that we can walk to from the train station. Um, you know, just throwing it out there. If you, uh, if you need some adventures, we'll be there. We'll be on the train. I, I can bring a lot of scotch in my bags. I have a bag specifically made for scotch. So that always helps. <laughs> is it like a bladder or is it like a bag that holds flat? Well, it's it's my it's my it's my latex bodysuit that I've turned into a bladder, so it it passes through inspection pretty easily. Fascinating. So, do you 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 incorporate the alcohol into your bloodstream through osmosis? Correct. That's great. That's an adventure right there. There you go. So, Talk so about you're welcome. Golf. You're welcome. I love the train idea. I mean, I think you know. One of the things about this, and that's the good, the good question about Astonish is really great because, like, it's hard to plan an adventure. It really is. Um, and have it be interesting. We've done a good job of it over the past couple of years, but I think that's why Astonish is so special to me is because it actually was an adventure. You know, like, I had no green light from central leadership before I went out there, and, and I was pretty sure that they were going to treat me like a, a fallen operative, and they were going to be like, we will not acknowledge this this episode or that trip or these expenses but i was just like i'm going like we're doing it and so the idea of getting on a train and just sort of going to the first spot like i would love to do that um you know and and i think it's been cool this year because social media offers such a way to connect with people um when we were in minnesota shooting an episode some guy reached out and was like oh my god i live an hour away or whatever and i was like come over and we like he hung out and like we had friends in common and like, I, I, I hope that there's a way to organically create each, each adventure, more adventurous as far as the unknown. Um, so, you know, I, I may post my itinerary pretty soon and just see like, who's going to be where, cause we'll be in Europe. Uh-oh. 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 Oh, and we like that. And we like that. I love it. Well, this was great, Eric. We appreciate you coming on for everyone out there. He's a great follow on Instagram at Eric Anders Lang. Uh, check out the Eric Lang Show, the new podcast, Adventures in Golf. And, hey, guy's got a movie coming out, Be the Ball. Hopefully Sweet. we'll uh, get out on the course soon, and thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Stratton. That was a blast. Let me know when you want to start the podcast. Have you been recording the whole time? Ha, 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 ha. Uh, Wait, what, what's the podcast? Hey-oh, hey-oh. <laughs> thanks, dude. <laughs> See ya.